The Midwest Crime Files is an unscripted true crimes podcast. In it, we discuss heinous crimes and how they are committed. Viewer discretion is advised. and the heinous crimes that change them forever. We have a story this week for you that hits pretty close to home for us. Do you know where Brownstown is, Chris? I don't. It is in Fayette County. Does that help you? Not really. Okay, well, it's up by Vandalia. Okay, that helps That area. Me. That helps me. Um, not an area where you see a lot of crime. In fact, I think... The police chief said before this murder, they hadn't had one in several, several years, maybe even a decade. Okay. But this is the story of murder in Brownstown, the death of James Skinner. In 2017, the quiet town of Brownstown, Illinois, was shocked to learn that a local Fayette County man had died in his home. At first, it was a suspected suicide, but further investigation proved the crime to be a homicide. No one could understand who would want to kill 56-year-old James Skinner, who went by Jim. Jim was known to most people in Brownstown as a hard worker who helped haul cattle for local farmers. There was no reason to explain why or who would kill him. James Skinner was born January 31st, 1961 in Vandalia. He was married until 1988, at which time he divorced. From that, he had a son, Ryan, who he was very, very close to. Jim worked as a carpenter, a handyman, a cattleman, and was a member of the Carpenters Union Local 377. He was a friendly man, well-known in his community. He had been known to be generous and fun-loving. He worked hard and enjoyed living a simple life in rural America. That was until September 17th, 2017. Ryan, who is now an adult, arrived at his father's home in Brownstown. When he entered the home, he found his father lying in just like pools of blood, like massive amounts of blood. Okay. And he was laying in his bed. So the initial thought was that he had like shot himself. Yeah, and that's what it looks like, too. That was the initial thought, and that's what Ryan thought. Um, so, there weren't any signs of a struggle. Ryan explained that his father had recently been to the doctor, so he said, like, maybe he got bad news at the doctor, which led him to commit suicide because he wasn't the kind of person that people expected. But I think everybody who actually does commit suicide, everybody says that. They, yeah. That wasn't who, the person we expected. Um, according to the 911 calls, um, Ryan, though, waited between the time he arrived at his father's house and the time that he called um, 911 from a neighbor, 30 minutes had passed. That's suspicious. Maybe. I mean... You walk into a room and you see your loved one, your dad, laying there dead. Like, there's a state of shock, I would think. 
Yeah, I guess. I can see that. When investigators moved the body of Mr. Skinner, however, they didn't find a gun. So that's a big problem, right? You can't shoot yourself without a gun. Right. When the medical examiner saw the body, she immediately said the blood was not from a gunshot wound. He had a blunt force trauma wound to the head. So this was definitely not a suicide. Back at the scene, police found a sledgehammer on the ground outside of Jim's home. The weapon had blood and human hair on it that was linked conclusively to Jim Skinner. So they had found this murder weapon. Okay. Can you imagine getting hit with a sledgehammer? No, not at all. Holy smokes, aren't they heavy? Yeah, that's what the whole—that's the whole point of them. Of them. So, with the case now ruled a homicide, police had to shift their focus, and this was now an, a murder investigation. Murder is pretty rare in Fayette County, particularly in Brownstown. So. Where do we start? You know, we have detectives that probably haven't even worked a murder before. Uh, when Jim's brother learned that his brother had been killed, he immediately thought it was related to a woman. Jim was known as somewhat of like a ladies man. And his brother suspected that he had upset someone by dating the woman they loved. So Lovers quarrel. Right. So according to his family and friends, like, he liked to date women, especially, like, one person um, interviewed that was friends with him, actually an ex-girlfriend, said that he thought it was funny, like, if he could take a girl away from another man or a woman away from another man. Like, That's that kind was of funny. something he kind of enjoyed. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Like, he was just that way. Right. I get it. Um and so that's why his brother initially thought there must have been some kind of quarrel, lover's quarrel. At the scene, though, police collected Jim's cell phone, which showed 12 recent calls. The police also retraced Jim's steps in the days prior to the murder. He had hauled some cattle for a local farmer and was paid in cash for two hauls. According to his friends and family, Jim often carried large amount of cash with him, um, and he usually was paid in cash for hauling cattle and other jobs. But in his home, they didn't find any cash. And they knew he should have had at least about 1000 to $2,000 on him. Okay. At least. And there was no cash found. And so now they believe the motive is money. The first suspect in the case is Jim's son, Ryan. I mean, you were there, you found the body, and then you didn't call 911 for 30 minutes. Right. So you're you're top of the list. They interrogated Ryan and man, they interrogated him hard. I watched some of the interrogation tapes and they just they said, you know, we know you did it. Just admit it. He got really upset. Um, he asked police to stop wasting time and focus on following uh, finding his father's murderer. He insisted that he had nothing to do with it but the investigators you know they tried to do what they do and they kind of try to scare somebody a little bit and right kind of get a confession and so they told him that they were processing fingerprints at the scene and they knew that this was going to link ryan but he didn't waver he maintained his innocence and actually he provided an alibi that was substantiated so eventually ryan's ruled out as a suspect so why did he wait 30 minutes Probably he was in shock. Well, yeah. I mean, 
now that you say it like that, like I understand, like I get it. You yeah. know, if I just found somebody brutally murdered in my house, it might take me a minute to get my composure too. Right. And I think that's what it was. I think he was just in shock. The small community of Brownstown was too. They were devastated. This was a heinous murder of somebody that was kind of like the good old boy that sat at the local restaurant diner and and drank coffee and bullshitted and probably hung out at the tavern and like this was a local person that everybody knew and and liked he didn't have enemies really um so the next thought was this had to have been somebody passing through who broke into his home so apparently there's a major highway and right when you get off the highway like his house is the first house you would see if you got off the highway right So the thought was that maybe this was a random person who just wanted to commit a burglary and chose that house. Okay. Uh, Jim never locked his doors ever, which is pretty common in small towns. Uh, Other residents believe someone who knew Jim had to have been the one who killed him and stole his money because how else would they have known he had money if they didn't know him? Right. How would they know he had cash? Um, And other people still believed that this was something to do with a love triangle. Jim was known to be a flirt, and he liked the thrill of the chase. And one of these women that he had been sort of, not dating, but hanging around with and spending a lot of time with was a woman by the name of Melissa Watkins. Okay. She goes by Missy, and she's well known in the area. Um... According to those interviewed, she is somebody who not a lot of people trust. Um, She's known to be manipulative. She's had run-ins with the police, multiple restraining orders. In the months prior to his death, Jim had been hanging out with Missy quite a bit. And according to Missy, she worked as Jim's housekeeper and Jim helped her out financially. But a lot of people in the community, you know, are whispering and the rumors are going that they thought there was more to it than that. Right. You know, maybe he was doing her favors financially because she was doing him other kind of favors. Possibly. Was sort of the thought. You never know. And apparently that was kind of Missy's M.O. MO anyway. Right. You know. And on top of that, Missy had a boyfriend. So could this boyfriend have been pissed off? Since... Missy had worked as Jim's housekeeper. She had immediate knowledge of Jim's schedule and home. She was a small, petite woman, though. And so police did not believe that she probably was capable of swinging the sledgehammer into Jim's head. This was very violent. Whoever swung this sledgehammer, I mean, they swung it. And as little as she was, they just didn't believe that she could have done that. What do you think of that? I mean, you have to look at cause and effect. I mean, it takes a lot to do damage. I mean, it, but it doesn't, I mean, all you got to do is just bring it over your head and let it fall. Like, it doesn't take a huge amount of strength to do that. I don't think you can ever, like, rule somebody out based on their size. Because, like, there's women that move 2,000 pound vehicles to rescue their children and, you know, other things like that. When your adrenaline's going, you have superpowers. So, like I said, though, Missy had a boyfriend, and so that was kind of concerning. Um, 
Witnesses thought they may have seen a white pickup truck at Jim's house that day. Missy indicated that she had another male friend with a white pickup truck. Missy had a younger boyfriend who was tall and muscular and certainly capable of causing the injuries that led to Jim's death. The police officer that was interviewed, he said that when he saw Missy's boyfriend, he immediately thought, well, this guy could have done it because apparently he's a big muscular dude. Right. And so that was the next thought. Um, but the boyfriend had an airtight alibi. Airtight. So he was ruled out as a suspect. And after Missy told investigators that a friend of hers drove a white pickup truck, they wanted to talk to her friend. And her friend was a man named David Bright. He was 67 years old at the time and a resident of nearby Mulberry Grove. Missy had been friends with this man who was also helping her out financially. So she had two older men, quote unquote, financially helping her out, plus a boyfriend. Yes. So you're getting an idea of who this person yeah. is. David Leroy Bright was brought in for questioning. Missy had indicated that the two men had met through her a few months prior to the murder. Leroy admitted to knowing Jim Skinner, but denied knowing anything about his death. He stated he was home all night, which was an alibi that could not be proven or disproven. Leroy Bright lived alone in a very rural area with no close neighbors. So there's like nobody that can say they even saw his truck in the, in the driveway or anything. So he's still a suspect, but they really don't have anything else to link him to this crime. Jim's brother, shocked and devastated as anybody would be if you lost someone, especially losing someone to murder. In the days following the murder, though, he often would drive past his brother's house. He just wanted to see, like, if investigators were still there. Were they looking for evidence? You know, kind of being a little bit like, I would be the same way. I would be inquisitive. I'd want to know what's going on. So... As he's driving by, he sees a van propped at his brother's property, but no police officers. So he gets curious and he follows the van for about 20 minutes as it drove away from the scene. The van eventually came to a stop at which Jim's brother approached the driver, an unkempt elderly white man. He had a chill run down his back because he realized, like, this might be the person that killed my brother. And that person was Leroy Bright. Leroy Bright was called back in for questioning. He was identified as the driver of the van. Leroy's cell phone records placed him at Jim's residence. And went back there after the crime. Right. And that he bought a new cell phone afterwards. Right. Hmm. Let's see. That doesn't make it look any more suspicious. Right. Um... So they had enough now that they could certainly arrest him for theft because the day that his brother saw the van there, he stole something out of the van's garage. I think it was like a chainsaw or something. And they found that in Leroy's possession. Jeez. So at the very least, they have him for burglary, theft, whatever you want to call it. So he's arrested for that. Um, police 
also searched his van, which matched the description of the van Jim's brother had described, and found clothing with blood on it in the van. Like, seriously? You couldn't have done better than that? The clothing from the van included a pair of pants with blood on them. After forensic examination, the blood on Mr. Bright's pants was positively identified as that of Jim Skinner. Leroy, though, you would think, like, at this point, your cookies are baked, right? I mean, you got bloody clothing with this man's blood on it. Right. Like, there's nowhere for you to go. He did not confess when confronted with all this evidence. He did surrender to arrest. He didn't put up a fight, but he denied any knowledge of the crime whatsoever. Sounds like a uh, Alfred plea coming up. Right. Leroy denied Missy Watkins had any knowledge, nor did she participate in the crime. So investigators are strongly believing that Missy had something to do with this. Missy would have known he had money that day. She would have known when he'd be home. Right. So they're strongly believing that she had something to do with it, but Leroy is adamantly denying that, and a lot of people think he covered for her. I don't know if he was sweet it on her, like getting it. favors, what the reason was. David Leroy Bright was charged with two counts of first-degree murder. At trial, forensic experts testified that the blood found on his pants was a DNA match for Jim Skinner. Experts were able to pinpoint Bright was at the crime scene the morning of the murder. They used cell phone tracking for that. In fact, remember those 12 calls Jim had? All 12 of those were made by Leroy Bright. 12 calls. Like, what would he have called him about 12 times? And he didn't have an answer for that. Right. He also had contacted a female, likely Missy, promising to loan her money and later letting her know that he had the money. He spent the rest of the day after the murder shopping with Missy. Yeah, because that doesn't make it look any worse. Right? Like, come on. The defense argued that Mr. Bright would not have been able to sneak up on Jim with a sledgehammer because Leroy was 71 years old and weighed 300 pounds. So that's the defense. Like, I couldn't have gotten this. I couldn't have snuck up on this man in order to hit him because I weigh 300 pounds and I'm old. That's some bullshit. <laughs> the defense also argued that Leroy, um, that had Leroy actually been guilty, he would not have let the sledgehammer at the scene and that he would not have kept the bloody clothing. Jesus Christ. So okay. I don't know if we're getting to like a frame job or what they're trying to say. Right. Although the defense claimed that Leroy was too smart to have left so much evidence, the jury disagreed, and they found that pretty damning. David Leroy Bright was found guilty on both counts of first-degree murder in September of 2020. He was sentenced to 30 years in prison without the possibility of early release. He was also charged with failure to register as a sex offender, after having been convicted of aggravated sexual abuse of a victim under the age of 13 in 2012. Oh, so he's a pervert, too. That's awesome. Right? Leroy Bright will be eligible for release in 2047, at which time he'll be 98 years old. So, most likely he's going to die in prison. 
most likely. <laughs> we say that, but with advances in healthcare nowadays, we don't know. But we most don't likely, know. you know, what's weird about this case to me though is I really don't think he was pulling the strings. No, not at all. But I don't know. Maybe he was because. Missy seemed to have her way with these gentlemen, like getting what she wanted, getting money. So I don't know. She wouldn't have had to kill him to get his money. Right. But maybe he so, maybe he was fed up with having a love triangle or a love square since right. there's like four people that she was involved with. That's it's possible. You know, as in many small towns, though, you know, even though this case has been adjudicated and everything is you know seemingly over the gossip continues to be spread around and whispered many people in Fayette County believe that Missy was culpable and likely helped plan the attack however Leroy has still never implicated her and um, a local citizen said that this woman quote has a way with men end quote some suggest Missy was not directly involved, but that Leroy killed Jim to have Missy all to himself. That's what I'm saying. It's possible. Others believe, though, that the motive was just pure greed. He just wanted money, and through Missy, he knew that this person had money, and he wanted money. That's true. I almost wonder, like, did Missy say something like, oh, well, Jim has money. Maybe I'll just go over there. Like Possibly trying to make him feel bad or whatever. That that sounds like something somebody that was manipulative, uh, manipulative, would say. Right. I don't know. That's. Oh, you don't have money for me? Well, I know a guy that has money. So I'll just go over there. I'm just gonna go and mess blow with him. him for a while. Right. <laughs> One thing's for sure: this crime touched the life of the residents in Brownstown forever, and I don't think they're ever going to stop talking about it. What do you think? What is your takeaway? I don't see how Missy got out of it, though. That's the thing I don't get. I mean, there's nothing to directly link her. I know. Zero. Zilch. What pisses me off is this guy knows. He knows. Yeah. You know, and he's just like, nope, I'll just take the rap. I did it all. Fuck it. Maybe Unless not. he did just do it in order to have her to himself, and she don't know, but I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. I, I don't know. I don't know this person. She's never been charged with a crime, so. Right. And but and she probably never will be. But it's important to at least know that we don't have a motive, really. No. Probably money. Possibly love. He did take her money, take his money. Maybe a love triangle. But, you know, you notice he didn't go after the young stud boyfriend. Right. Knew he'd get his ass kicked, probably. Probably. If you guys want information about this case or any of the cases that you hear on the Midwest Crime Files, go ahead and head to our blog. It's themidwestcrimefiles.com. You can go ahead and scroll down to the bottom of any of the stories that Gina posts there, and you can find all the references and material that she uses to write these amazing stories for you guys. We are so sorry that we... <laughs> Have been putting this episode off, guys. We have been trying to let my voice get back to normal. We have been hit with COVID so hard. I'm still, I still have it. Gina probably still has it a little bit. We're both tired. We're both yawning. Yeah, I've <laughs> like, yawned like 18 times when recording this. Yeah. So my apologies. 
Yeah, this isn't our finest work, but you know, if you want to continue to support us, go ahead and head on over to patreon.com slash Midwest Crime Files. You guys can join for as little as a dollar a day. The, we do have free stuff on there, but you know, for the good stuff, you got to be a member. God, I just, oh, I, I still feel like junk. <laughs> well, the good news is, is I can feel bad and continue writing. So, yeah, so we're we gonna... have many more episodes coming for you. Yesterday, I think I wrote out all of the cases I wanted to cover, and I think I'm up to 60. Yeah. So, I got a lot of work to do. And we still have our live event coming up Wednesday. Yep. Correct. Wednesday night, we'll do season two updates for you, and you'll have a new episode this week as well. Yep. But until we see you guys then, we will talk to you guys later. Bye.